Hey there, my name is Martin Steinsburn, and welcome to What the HR Podcast, your podcast about HR. With me, I have my lovely co-host, Gabriela Overby Rosas, and together we're going to talk about the different areas within HR, as well as the trends. We hope you're going to enjoy spending time with us, and let's get on with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR Podcast. Uh, and I want to first start on to present my lovely co-host and HR twin, Gabby. And um, are you ready to talk to, about some HR? Hi, Martin. How are you? I'm super great and I'm super ready to talk about HR today. Great. I mean, I know this is our little brainchild, so I, it's only going to be great. And um, for you listeners, it's been a, a while since this, uh, for this third episode to come up, but it's because I know both you, Gabby and I, have been super busy. So can you tell a little bit about what you've been doing since, yeah, since we talked last time? Yeah, it's really been busy, <laughs> and I'm also sorry that it's been uh, such a long time since the last episode. But it's for for a good cause. Uh, I have uh, joined a, a new company since uh, our last episode, uh, and now I'm working uh, as head of team and culture, which is basically head of HR, and uh, I'm very happy. And but there's a lot of work, and of course, in the beginning, and this is my first month and a few days of work. And in the beginning, you just have to to work harder and uh, make sure to catch up and to get everything in order. So yeah, that's about it, and that's why I've been so busy lately. And tell me about you, Mazi. What have you been doing? Uh, since last time, well, that's a bit happened. Uh, so I finished uh, my my bachelor degree, so that's that's done now. And in September, I'm gonna start with my master's degree. Um, so that's very exciting. Uh, but also, I I think since last time, um, I ended my job at the, the previous company where I was the. Uh, yeah, the lead on the HR there, and I luckily got sent. Uh, I well, the company is now in good hands um, with my my replacements, and uh, yeah, and then I started a new place, uh, being the talent researcher, which is very um, suitable to this today's topic, uh, which I will of course come into a, in a little while. Um, but yeah, uh, so. Uh, I did that for um, for for yeah two months, and then I ended my project um, because simply I was so efficient. So that just means that they did have they didn't have any more for me to do, and therefore yeah I um, I'm now looking for new new uh, challenges and opportunities um, within HR, of course, uh, because this is my love and passion. <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah so that's that's basically what I've been up to so I'm just looking out for what's coming my way and and uh, keeping in touch with with you and all the other people that I've been working with 
so yeah so uh so it's so it's nice to to get going with with this again for sure and, and as i said yeah congrats on your masters i'm very proud thank you i'm also very happy that uh, i'm taking now the final step on my on my road of formal education i mean of course you always need to educate yourself within this field as we i think we talked about last time it's always changing um but yeah on formal like university wise i'm i'm very happy that this this is going to be the last step and i then can focus on on working uh, with what i really um find interesting and passionate and i'm passionate about so so yeah um but yeah, uh, today's topic will be about recruiting and how HR is representing the company through this process. And this will be our first step on our uh, next four episodes. I'll be about the different stages of the employment cycle. So today will be about recruiting and then next time will be onboarding and then re uh, employee retainment and at the end of boarding and then of course there'll be other topics after that we'll never run out of topics and stuff to talk about don't worry <laughs> but before we get into that we have some questions so the first one is from christina and she wrote i am applying for different jobs and at bigger companies because i've already been working at startups and scale-ups and now i want to get the experience of working at a bigger established company um uh, so i applied for this opening and later i got this phone call from the hr department where they asked me all these generic questions and after the call i found this a bit strange since i have never experienced this before so my question is is this a normal procedure and what are the normal stages regarding recruiting? So do you want to take this, Gabby? Yes, of course. Um, so thank you, Christina, for writing to us with your question. It's a very interesting question. This is uh, a very normal procedure, actually. And uh, to when you're applying for a company uh, and you're applying for a specific job, let's say I'm going to use an example as a technical job. And uh, you feel that, oh, I want to have the technical questions all together uh, at once in the first interview. And then you get a little bit disappointed because you're talking to the HR department or the recruiter and they are kind of pre-screening you. And uh, that's exactly what it is. And sometimes it's just to pre-screen you to make sure that uh, you have some knowledge that uh, to ask about your previous experiences but most of the times, uh, this, especially when it's with HR, it's because we are trying to get the feeling uh, if you actually fit that team. And this is very important uh, to know because sometimes we are looking for a specific personality. We are not just looking for a person that has all the technical skills we need the person who has this kind of personality that will fit that will fit the team and uh, then we when we pre-screen and we ask this call so-called generic questions that sometimes are not generic at all we need to get to know a little bit more of you about you and uh, how you feel and how do you work and a little bit more about your personality especially and then we ask some questions that will bring out the 
the best of your personality and <laughs> then you can evaluate if you actually fit that team if you actually fit the company culture and the kind of company that is before we can send you to the technical part of the interview and also because sometimes we have too many applicants and when we pre-screen the applicants we make sure that we give the departments the specific departments the the best chance of managing their their time because they also don't have so much time to run interviews and uh, if we are um not pre-screening they will just spend many many more hours uh doing the interviews than they should and when we pre-screen instead of having sending them 20 candidates we can narrow it down to the most appropriate candidates for them and we can send them five of the best candidates so we are looking for personalities we are looking for uh company culture fi cultural fit so we are looking for different things as well that's why those generic questions and those pre-screening. But yeah, it's becoming pretty normal. So Martin, your opinion about that? Yeah, um, I find this question quite fitting because that's actually what I, I did uh, with this project I just finished. Uh, I was actually the one who found, um, found candidates and then made a pre-screening and then after that actually booked meetings and stuff. So yeah, and so... Yeah, I, I did. I did all these screenings, and the reason why was also because I did mainly through LinkedIn. If I was uh, searching for them and kind of headhunting them, um, and I found uh, not especially now because there was technical positions, and they I found out they are getting, you know, they are getting approached like left, right, and center by by companies because everybody is going more and more technical, so they need people. With technical skills um so a lot of them they actually don't they don't uh, fill out their their linkedin profiles that much and that's also what you're using uh, using these screens for by uh asking them more into let's say they have a, the only written positions they've had but they don't write what they've been doing what they have used of skills um so yeah, we we're using that as uh, this call as well to figure out how new are their their skills? Are they still using them? Because again, even though we are talking about HR moving fast, I mean the technical world is I think moves even faster. Um, so so yeah, they really we really need to figure out how new their technical their whole technical aspect is and all the skills and as you said yourself, if their personality fits. And if it's a, and if it's a smaller uh, company, it, even though it's established company, but if it's still as one of the smaller ones, and they might have a you know within uh, the talent department uh, more like tight budget in this case, um, because since again, as I said, a lot of these people they are hunted down, and that makes them more valuable. That also means that their salary might be high, and. What what we did, for example, were that we were uh, also asking them up front about their uh, salary level because uh, if if you don't do that, for example, the risk can be that you go through the whole process of recruitment and then and you reach the very end and then you find out you, you cannot meet uh, on this point and then you end up wasted both 
the company's time, but also the candidate's time. So we were quite upfront with this um, this thing and this question. And some people found it reasonable, but someone was also a little bit <laughs> a little bit surprised. They're like, "Oh, already? Are you?" Um, but yeah, that's that's what we did. And so so yeah, um, Christina, it's very very normal to to receive these. I received these uh, phone calls, and and she had this second um, second part of the question: What are the normal stages regarding recruiting? And I just had to say that really comes down to the company. Some people do have these phone screen uh, phone screenings or video screenings. Some people directly go to the interview. Some people have different rounds of the interviews. Um, some people have very few. So yeah. It, it uh, it depends on the company and how many applicants they have. So, do you, do you have something to Gabby to you want to to add or sh- should we move on to the next one? No, I think you it's you gave a fantastic answer <laughs> and uh, it's it's exactly how it is. And regarding the stages, yeah, the the part uh, the. It, yeah, the normal stages regarding recruiting depending depends on the company. The more companies are becoming more and more uh, diligent about people they recruit, so they are adding stages to it. It's becoming more normal that we have personality tests, that we have challenges, that we have pre-screenings, that there is a formal interview that is a more informal conversation. There is an interview with more members of the company. So it depends on the company. So the normal stages are not uh, as normal anymore and they are they are becoming different. They are they are really the companies are really investing a lot in recruitment and they are even hiring companies to handle a, a huge portion of the recruiting so they don't have to to have that uh, task that is kind of time consuming as well and uh, they don't have to hire a recruiter or a team of recruiters or HR doing this which is my case that I do this as well so you you kind of add some stages there so you can get to know the person and you can also make a more informed decision because of course, when you're hiring a person and you're you're making a huge investment and you're also putting a lot of trust into it. So if after a few months you realize, oh, this this is not good and it's a huge investment down the drain. So the companies also, they, they want this, this kind of uh, security and this safety net of making sure that the process is more and more complete. So yeah, the normal procedures now and the normal stages are, are becoming a little bit more than, than they were before maybe because the people just want to be sure that they are hiring the right person in all levels and the level of personality and the level of technical skills and cultural fit and all the others. It's still hard to guarantee that you're hiring, of course, the right person, but uh, with the more complete process, you expect to have better results for sure. Yeah, I also think that also really comes down to the phone call or video uh, meeting is also, as you said, the whole connection, because it's very hard to get an idea about the person through a CV or um, a motivational letter or 
or something like this. And that's also because you can you can feel the the energy of the person through a, a call or um yeah either through phone or video because I I've had uh, when I was working in in previous previous company um, where I had some phone and some videos. And not videos. <laughs> I had some um, uh, video calls with people where the the connection weren't there. It was very like a, very like a Q and A session and was not really a conversation. So that's also what you want to um, avoid, especially when you can come up with a lot of applicants. You want to avoid those situations because again, you're just wasting time. But also, I've noticed that. Companies also have started to use filters when when they're looking at applications. So they write some buzzwords or some personal traits or something like that. So the some some uh, applicants actually go right into that net and never goes to the desk of people. Um, which I would recommend that if you have time, of course. I mean, if if you're not too close to the deadline and then I would recommend you for sure to to either call or email the contact person because also that benefits you because you can already there you take initiative you um, you get a, maybe a personal connection to that um, what do you call it the um, the responsible person the contact person for that specific job ad and uh, and yeah and also that helps you if you have to write a motivational letter that you can actually write that name uh, on that letter instead of just writing you know to whom whatever concerns and and what and whatnot so and then you can ask what they're looking for because that in that way you can have an idea of what what their ideal candidate is and you might be able to circumvent that net that filter that they've put up so that's a little little tip for you out there if uh, if you're looking for a job at the moment um so yeah so if you don't have anything i want to move on to michelle yes and uh, she wrote so i just started working with recruiting and i have gotten the task of creating a job ad mm -hmm. so i would like to ask um how do you prepare for a job opening how to write uh, about the position um and Michelle, oh. there's a lot of ways to do that. You can do it the so-called normal way, where you write a little bit about the uh, about the um, the company and the whole. Oh, here you have an opportunity. Do you want to work with, let's say, HR or technic or coding or whatever it is? And then you have a little bit about uh, the position, who you are, what are they looking for, like a background. And at the end, usually it's a lot about the company, you know, the story and, and all that. There's that version. Um, there's also a, a video version of that where they kind of go through that. Or I've also um, seen um, a version where they have made like an interview version. So um, they have talked to somebody in that position, for example, and asked them, so what, what would, how would you describe this position? What is needed? And all that stuff. So it's more like a fluid, um, fluid uh, format. But yeah, again, it comes down to the company, how they, if they have one way they want to do it. But I think since there are so many jobs at the moment, um, it's very important to 
think in new directions and because if you do whatever everyone else is doing then you you'll be you'll be gone in, in the in the big mass of job ads out there yeah and uh, just to add to that um how do i prepare for a job opening i can say that i i usually create a, a job description and it's very important a part that i that i think is very important to create a job ad is to have an open communication with the the person who's requesting this job opening to you and uh, the department for example let's say that the tech department uh, needs um, a developer and you need to be very thorough and of course they need to give you the a certain job description of this, this position they are expecting and then from this you can of course as Martin said, uh, add an intro to the company. And uh, I think uh, a job opening, uh, writing a job ad is a great part of employer branding. And I really think that um, it, there should be a strategy for that. And when you are creating the job ads for the company, they kind of should uh, have the same format. And especially when you're writing about the vision, the mission, uh, wh who you are as a company, it should come the same way. And the way you advertise this job in the different platforms, it should be the same because it's something that tells people who you are as a company. So, of course, when you have the meeting, um, I usually I, I work in a, in a manner that I have a little uh, form and uh, the people who are requesting the the position is open they kind of fill that up and they tell me what are the main characteristics they are looking for which also helps me with uh what we talked about before which pre-screening the candidates and they tell me not only the characteristics the, the hard skills they they're looking for they tell me about the soft skills they tell me about uh how the candidate should be how the how this personality should be to fit the team and what are they expecting and what is acceptable and what they cannot accept and what is a must have. And from that, we create a job ad that says usually who you are, who we are and uh, what we expect from you and what we can offer you, which is also important. So that's kind of my format to make the job position, the, the job ad is to have a nice meeting about it first and then compose the job description and from that have a job ad and also always keep your job descriptions so you can always reuse them and of course as the company evolves the branding of the company evolves as well and this is something to work with the marketing department and once it evolves you kind of uh, change a little bit the text and you modernize it and you make it fit the the new vision or how the company is perceived at the moment so you can have this material like fitting and uh, being kind of employer branding appropriate for you to use it and advertise the company it's a way to advertise the company the recruitment as well yeah and also a thing is also that it depends on what company it is for example let's say it's an ex it's a company that sells ex expertise like expert knowledge 
then of course um, the job ad also needs to represent that through the writing and the communication. For example, you cannot use smileys and all these, you know, these fluffy sentences, even though it makes it more fun to read as, as the applicant themselves. But that also gets a mixed signal of, of what you actually want to achieve. But if it's, let's say, um, you are selling uh, kids' toys or something like that, and then it's a good idea to also re represent that fun and youthfulness in in the, your job ads. And yeah, so so it's very important, that, as you said, Gabby, it's very important to represent what the company is wants to embody and the whole culture and how they are behaving. Because again, even though, as we talked about from the other side, where applicants, there might be a lot of applicants for one position, there's also a lot of companies hunting for those big, uh, great talents out there. So they also need to stand out in a way and sell themselves. Um, but yeah, another another good way is that, of course, as Gabby, as you said, uh, is to have meetings to talk to the team leader or whoever is responsible for uh, that person to be. Um, but it's, I think it's also a good idea to to go out to, on to that team or have, get talk to a team member that already is in this one position that it that needs uh, that they, that they need an, one additional of to ask that person. So what do you do on day to day basis? How would you describe this? What's important? Because then you have, get some hands on knowledge. Because one thing is what the team leader sees, but it's also very important to um, to make clear um, for what what is actually needed on day to day basis, and also that knowledge you'll be able to use if you have this phone screening, as we talked about before, because then you have knowledge, hands on knowledge um, about the day to day. Because they will probably ask, how would you describe a, a daily daily routine of in this position, and then you already have it. So knowledge is power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in this regard so so yeah um, so I have a question for you because this okay. is something I've been thinking about a lot and now I've been working with talent and HR in different companies now and I, it's still weird to me and it's still a question I think uh, that needs to be answered well, of course, we cannot give the finite answer here, but we can always give our opinions that might spur ideas and thoughts in other places. That's at least the, the hope here. So my question is, does HR need to be more daring? Because as we said, uh, they are creating this persona through their job ads, but do they need to be more daring in taking people with an maybe a non-traditional background for these different positions. You know, think out of the box to, to find a fit because talent comes in different shapes and sizes. Yes, I, I do believe HR needs to be more daring. Uh, of course, uh, at a certain level, because um, 
HR is also a commitment. That's something that uh, I try to explain to people that HR is kind of the, the middleman. So HR has a commitment to the people and HR has a commitment to the company. So we have to measure what is good for both. We have to get into an agreement. That's why we're in the middle of a lot of negotiations. We are trying to find the best solutions and uh, Of course, that sometimes we feel like, yes, we can bet on this person, but the company, the rest of the company does not feel safe. And uh, th there are some many ways that you can actually bet and think outside the box uh, because nowadays we see a lot of people, uh, especially in Denmark, which uh, is a market where people uh, can when they are unhappy, they can look for a different job. When they want something new, they can look for a different job and it's not impossible to get other jobs. So people are having shorter experiences and it's hard for a company to trust a person with a short experience. Oh, you were four months here. You were eight months there. You were six months there. Why? And that's where lies the key, the why. And I think a good form of betting on the person is um, asking the, the whys that nobody's asking instead of judging. And uh, I think that gives you a guarantee of um, possibility of hiring a person that you might feel that, oh, it's, it's a bet for us. If you ask the, the whys. I've met many people, many candidates that had... Uh, three months experience here, four months experience there. And I decided to ask the question. I said, why uh, do you have the short experiences? And I had some candidates that simply could not come up with the reason why, or it was just because they didn't like it or because they had a problem with this person or that person. And I had fantastic candidates who actually said, uh, it's, I, I was freelancing or I became obsolete in all these companies because they were all small and uh, it is perfectly fine. This happens and we also need to understand. So we have other forms of testing people as well. And the important thing, I think, it is to, to bet on the wise, to actually ask the questions and to not judge or prejudge the, um, the person based on the resume or based on their LinkedIn profile, based on the, the amount of time this person had these experiences or the amount of time this person had a gap year. And uh, maybe the person had two or three gap years and you don't know why. So you need to ask the, the right questions. So in order to bet on the person, and I think that's what is uh, missing for HR to be more daring. It's not only to, to just you because I think you're you're cool but to ask the questions to not be afraid of looking into these resumes or with these profiles that don't have the traditional um, experience or the traditional look that you would expect with two years there or three years there and actually ask the question why not and why do you think you're a good fit for it because you also have challenges and tests and other interviews that you can do to actually establish if this person is uh, ready for this position or not so I think it's uh, it's a bet on the wise in there and uh, you really need to ask the question so yes we we should be more daring in this sense for sure
Yeah, I mean, I think that's also why a lot of companies do a lot of these cases nowadays because that's also because let's say you look at a CV and you don't see uh, something that you shouldn't really be a fit for the the company and and for this position. But for example, you can sh- you can really shine through um, a case. For example, um, the company I worked with recently. And they had a position and they had an applicant that on paper shouldn't be able to do this, to do the job, but, but, but she completely nailed her case. I mean, she was top of uh, some uh, of other candidates that actually had the required education, but she just had the, she just had the skill set, you know, I through doing it in her spare time or taught herself um, by through, um, interest and passion and she actually yeah as I said she she nailed the, the the case and she got the position and I think that's also where cases really can come into into order and really show the the why and and the talent because I've also seen uh, other people writing for example on LinkedIn who's also working with uh, uh, with talents and they have also mentioned um, different cases where they had this person that shouldn't on paper be a fit, but it just showed that this person just were amazing anyway because they just had the personal um, skill set or they had the, the hard skills for this position, even though on paper it shouldn't be so. And so, I th- of course, I understand that you of, you need to have someone who is this, you know, cut out person that has the, the right uh, background because you cannot all have, you know, people with backgrounds in North, East, West, South. And because then you, you don't really, you don't have the people with the actual know-how. But I, th- I think that if you do have a core within a team or in a department who has this traditional and required um, background, then then you can add some so-called let's say, call it spice with some people that comes from different backgrounds because they might see let's say a project or a challenge from different perspectives and in that way you can also create innovation and that will actually benefit in the long run uh, the company and the department so so yeah so i think that we need to in a certain degree, of course, need to be more daring and, as you said, ask the right questions and see the possibilities instead of just saying no. Because I also see that in job ads, unfortunately. I think, And I think a lot of people do get discouraged of applying when they just see that you need to have this amount of experience and you need to have this and this and this kind of, of educational background. And then I think people see this and they're like, ah, then I'm not a fit. Instead of just looking at the tasks, ask yourself, can I actually fulfill these tasks? Do I have experience? Do I have an idea how to do it, an approach, how I will be able to do so? If yes, then I think you should give it a go to to apply for the jobs because there might be someone at the end sitting and looking and people like we just said who want to look at the person and not just on the on the hard skills. 
So it might land you the job at the end. So, yeah, let's move on. To, yeah, if you don't have had anything, of course. Mm, no, we can move on. Cool. Okay. So the, now we've asked, we've answered the, the few the few questions and my own. And now it, we come down to the nitty gritty because, as you said, uh, we are representing uh, the company's values, culture, mission, vision, and so on through a job ads, through the communication with the with the candidates. And and that is, as we said, it, it is through um, how what language we're using, um, how we're describing the company, because we need to engage people, make them want to apply. <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the whole purpose of it. And for what um, from what I've been thinking about recently, and I want to to commute, I also want to talk about uh, through my through my own channel, is the whole point that, and I think a lot of people might have forgotten about it. It might not be news, but I think people have forgotten about it. Is that these different points that we talk about, these different stages of the employment cycle, is also uh, contacts like it's it's points of contacts so for example people they never had talked to the, uh, they had never talked to the um, to the companies before and bef and before social media it was you send an application or you meet up in a reception hand in your cv and that was kind of one-way communication but now since we have social media it's a two-way communication and that also means that if we as a company don't communicate and leave a positive experience with that candidate, then that can actually harm indirectly the company through um, that people write something on, let's say, a review platform, or they write on social media, like, I had this, had this situation, or they just talk to the network, like a friend, a relative, whatever, and then that can actually harm the company that makes people don't want to apply. And and so it's, it's important that we are open in our communication and we if they have questions and reach out to us in talent research and talent department or HR and whoever uh, are working with these candidates, it's super important that we actually meet their request of answering their questions, even though it might be inconvenient for us because we're so busy and we have so many people, but by leaving bad experiences can actually hurt the talents and make people not want to apply. And that could actually hurt the company in the long run. That's the and that counts, as I said, through all the stages. So, so yeah, I see you're nodding. Yes, I, I am agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you cannot see us, but uh, we can see each other when, <laughs> <laughs> when we are recording the podcast. So, yes, I, I am completely agreeing. Yes, um, recruitment is like the sourcing and recruitment is the gateway into the company. And that's why employee branding is so important because um, that's the first image you have. And, of course, when you are 
and you have a bad recruitment experience, uh, it's hard for you to say good things about that company, especially because you never get got to work there and uh, you don't have any, any any kind of relationship with that company. So you're probably going to say bad things. You're going to at least uh, report your bad experience. And this is going to be super bad for the company for the image and uh, i'll tell you myself about uh, something that happened to me not long ago i had an interview process a full interview process that it was a pre-screening there was a test and it was a long long test and uh, then there was some questions i needed to ask answer and uh, then i had also um, an in-person meeting and uh, I went to this office. I had a one-hour meeting. And uh, I'm still waiting for the answer, by the way. <laughs> and it's, it amazes me that uh, people don't answer sometimes. They don't answer to um, a, a person that's been just pre-screened. Or they don't answer. They don't respond to an applicant that has put time and effort into applying for that position, not even to say uh, thank you, but no thanks. And this is all people want to hear. It's not that we always want a positive answer. Of course we do. We are hopeful. But if there's no answer, I think this is the worst thing. And it's the worst thing for the company's image as well. And all I can think is that I'm actually very glad I'm not working there. And if people ask me, I will have to tell them about the bad experience I had. <laughs> and uh, just because it's it was a long process and it took a lot of my time and it took at least two hours of my day to get there, to commute and have an interview and come back home and not even having a little message saying, oh, Gabby, Thank you, but we are going with another person. So when this happens, of course, it stains the name of the company and stains the whole process. So it gets more and more difficult for the company to recruit top talent because top talent does not want to go through that. Top talent is not willing. No talent is willing to go through that. So if a company actually wants to recruit talent, they they really need to, to improve. And improving also means... Uh, answering people i think answering it's it's not about uh if you're giving a positive or a negative answer it's just answering people that is uh for sure what people should be doing now yeah i i also heard this that ghosting it has been a thing now with between company and applicants and for you who doesn't know ghosting means that you just have a conversation and then all of a sudden they don't reply and you just left hanging that mm -hmm. is what ghosting is, and it's super weird. And it's a, uh, and I've only heard it, on the in the dating world. But now that it's kind of crept in, to uh, to the whole job searching world is super. It, it's so, so weird to me. Um, and as you said, yeah, if you have these bad bad experiences, then you're just gonna warn people, like don't go there, and yeah, yeah it, it's. Because if you do the opposite, if you leave them with a good experience, even though the person will not end up with a job, if, the, if, if they felt 
if if they felt that they were met and they were their questions were answered and they were treated with respect and decency, then they will they will still talk about these to other people like, yeah, you know, I didn't get it, but it was a really pleasant experience and that really upsells the company because you might have the best culture in this company, but if you don't sell it or if you don't represent it through uh, through your recruitment process and that can actually be the and that can actually be the um, what is that is actually one of the disadvantages i think if you're using one of those recruitment uh, companies because they don't on um, they might not understand fully your culture and then this culture might get lost in translation or it might not be um put through through the whole job job ads and that actually is some might be a danger but again you need there's always pros and cons so you you can't always be covered completely but that's of course something you need to have in mind as well but yeah i mean if you have a good experience good news travel fast and you might end up earning a top talent because of that yeah um, there's a whole thing of ghosting. Yes, I, I even forgot this term. It's, it's not a, a term that I'm used to. I've been ghosted. So I can say this now. I've been ghosted. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us now have been ghosted. I, I really, uh, I don't, I'm against ghosting people. I do not ghost candidates because uh, it's, I think it's the end of the world. And uh, it's a new expression. I'm not as young as Martin, so I, I'm not uh, so <laughs> You're cool. Not that <laughs> I'm not so cool with the new expressions, with the slangs. So, yes, it's ghosting. I've heard this, and the, the, they're doing this in the business sector as well. You're ghosting uh, people, ghosting salespeople. You're ghosting after you had meetings with them. You're ghosting uh, candidates. You're ghosting friends. You're ghosting people you dated yeah it's it's a whole thing and yes i i can say so see people that there's nothing abnormal uh yours truly here has been ghosted as well so <laughs> <laughs> i i i'm feeling very in now that i've been ghosted <laughs> there you go yeah and for you person who ghosted me i'm still waiting for an answer don't worry i got a job <laughs> <laughs> not waiting anymore Yes, I, it's a message in the podcast now. If you're listening to this podcast, yes, I'm still waiting for an answer. That was not cool. And if you're ghosting other people, please stop. People deserve an answer. Yeah. Yeah. But but the thing was also, I, I was I just came to think about. So I I wasn't really ghosted, but I had applied. There was this com this bigger company, um, and they had different job openings, and I was thinking. Well, I, I could see myself feeling in, because they were not, there was kind of like fluffy positions. So I applied for um, three different ones and I didn't hear anything from them for from quite a while. I think it was like a month, a month and a half. And then all of a sudden within, I think, I think it was half an hour or 15 minutes. I got three, three years. Uh, uh, three messages that I didn't I didn't get the job I was not put through for the next phase so you just know that you know you've just been put on the sideline and then oh now you need to empty the 
to empty the bin, just like when you empty your spam filter and all that stuff, you know, you just kind of like, here you go, sorry, nothing. It was like very weird experience as well to, to just get get these three three no's all, all at once. It was like, uh, is this just a... Uh, did, did the trash man just come by and you need to, you know, yeah. get, get rid of it? So, but, but I think it's also very important to have this in mind when you're declining applicants. I mean, there's a lot of people, they just sent, and I did that, did that myself, just send a standard email because it's, it's very easy if you have a lot of things to do and you have a lot of applicants. It's hard and very time consuming if you had to write a personal, personalized email every time. Um, fortunately, I had the chance to do that uh, in when I w- w- worked in, in a smaller company. I had time to actually write to people individually why we n- did not choose them. Mostly it was because I did not work in, in Denmark, so because of working laws and all that stuff. Um, so the, so even though it was not standardized, it, it was a lot of the same reasons, but I always wrote to into wrote to them individually because again it just gives you a more personalized touch and people feel taken care of i mean just take the example you're you're down in in your supermarket and instead of having a person that actually gives you a smile it's like hey and have a good day but you just you know gotta you had nothing i mean then you lose this personal touch and People lose uh, maybe the reason why they go to to that shop or something like that. And and I also, but I heard um, for for actually a common friend of ours, she said that uh, she was she experienced that she actually got uh, a short video from uh, from the I think it was the recruitment company that that he actually sat down recorded a few minutes long video just saying thank you for your application and but unfortunately you're not put through and this is why into i mean it didn't take long and it doesn't and it just needs and it gives you this again you kind of get a face to look at it, not just a email so it's very important to both both when you're talking to a candidate that's actually in the procedure but also when you're declining people instead of just sending this bulk so if you have the time, personalize it. I mean, again, you're just helping the company and the view of the company. So. Yes, for sure. I agree. That's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. I mean, as I said, of course, I understand that sometimes it's just not possible for people. Um, but also sometimes people do ask if you if you just send them a standard and i was also experiencing this myself so they i send out the standard email and then people were like hey uh why were you not chosen and uh i wanted and i wanted to write back to them but unfortunately i was told not to but yeah anyway that that's not important it's just important that they might write back to you so if it again maybe take a few minutes out of the time just write briefly it doesn't need to be an essay just a few lines. I mean, but as few I lines said can... before, yeah, it's if you cannot uh, answer, like, personalize the answer, because sometimes it's the case that you're not allowed to. An 
any answer is an answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I think just answering the candidate, it's, of course, it's not the best that you get a bulk email, especially after you were in a meeting with the company, you were in a meeting with somebody from the company, then I think you need to give a little bit more time to the person. But if you do not have the time, answering is fundamental. This you have you have to always do. Yeah, I mean, also a phone call, Don't, especially as we said, if they're actually being gone through a physical interview, at yeah. least give them a phone call because they have actually take time out of the calendar to go to the office yeah. uh, or sit in front of the computer and prepare for the interview. So at least you can do the same as just sit down make the phone call or make a recorded video or whatever you, you choose to do because it just sends a better message and that uh, actually put energy and you value their their effort and time and it's just plain respect i think in my eyes and it, and i think we need to have more of that in in the recruitment aspect and the whole recruitment processes we need to have of course of course, this also goes the other way. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, the company should do this and that. Of course, it also goes down to the applicant. They also need to to uh, to behave proper and represent them in a positive light and not just being a, a douche uh, to the company because they're thinking, oh, you know, they they need to be nice. Otherwise, I'll, be, I'll t- talk bad about them and then that will hurt them. Companies also have have networks. Remember that, and they also talk like we talk on pri- as private people. Yeah. So that is like the same way. So that's also um, very important to, to note here at at the end of this episode. So, do you have anything at the very end here you want to to note? Any f- thoughts? Something yeah. you have thought about? Yeah, one quick last thought is just to recap what we were saying that uh, any answer is better than no answer at all. Do not ghost candidates. It's uh, the worst thing you can do for the company branding, for your image, and also in terms of uh, being respectful to people. You really need to be uh, respectful to candidates. You really need to, of course, it goes both ways. Candidates need to be respectful as well, of course. But when people are putting their time and their effort and uh, believe me, every time uh, a candidate is uh, writing, as I think we are all candidates at some point, and we just forget. And it's easy to forget the time and effort you put uh, making applications and uh, feeling questions and thinking about what you say on personalizing cover letters and making sure your CV is up to date and the time and money you spend sometimes by going to interviews and uh, just participating on calls, time you're taking from your day that you're not uh, doing other things that you should be doing. So this needs to be valued and people need to be valued and you should um, respond to your candidates. I think this is the the moral of the story of recruitment that the process uh, is the first process. I call it a date when you are uh, trying to, you're flirting with the candidate and uh, (laughs) you're bringing it. It's like a first date. 
And that's the first image you have of the company is that first date, is that first interview, is that first contact. And of course, it can just not work after the first date. You can realize that you're not fit for each other at all. But how are you going to do this? Are you going to just ghost, as you said, and not answering the phone calls or never call again or never message again and block this person? Or are you going to say, you know, it's thank you for the date, but I really think we are not a fit. And uh, I, I, I believe I don't want a second date or I don't think we should see each other again. And I think that's the respectful way. And that's exactly how we should go in the company. And of course, the person might say, oh, it, it didn't work so well the first date, but at least he called or at least she called. And they said, well, thank you for the date, but it's something that I don't think we should do it again because we are not fit for each other. So, of course, there's way less chances of you saying bad things about this person when they are respectful. And, uh, of course, you, maybe you're not going to recommend the date, but you will certainly recommend the company. And uh, it's a whole process, and you really need to respect the the people who are joining who are participating because their time is as valuable as yours very very i agree completely um and i was just as you said talking about the whole dating aspect and putting up like that i was just thinking that just like when we're going to a physical interview we are thinking about how we're dressed but the same goes as the first point of contact is also our first impression of either the company, but also as the of the applicant. And that's also why it's so important that we start with a positive view, start with positive representation of who we are as a person, but also as a company or applicant. And that should, that mindset. And also, as you said, the whole communication, how we're communicating with each other, that, that whole mindset should, stay and being in like in top of mind all the way through the process so with that said we're gonna we're gonna end it here but uh, don't worry we'll soon be back with uh, the next stage which will be onboarding and it's going to be super interesting because there's so many aspects so many things to talk about and so many ways to do onboarding it's not a clean cut it's there's oh it's there's like a mixture of so many elements so stay tuned it's going to be super interesting and we we're not gonna leave you hanging like we did with this one don't worry we're gonna be out there soon again so take care until next time